0: This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada.
1: No, yeah.
0: Well, good morning, everybody. Hope you had a great Easter week last uh, week and glad to see you with us here this morning. Um, If you would open in your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 13, we're continuing in our Forsaken Kingdom series. Uh, Now after the Easter messages and everything that we had going on, resurrection last week, uh, we want to go back to where we picked off, we we left off in the Gospel of Matthew. And we started a 3 Part series within the Forsaken Kingdom series, and, and the title of the series is Ears to Hear, and it's based off of the Bible study that we had two weeks ago when Jesus says, he who has or, or you who have ears to hear, let him hear. And and the, me- the title of that message, the first of these three was Undivided Attention, and I kind of poked fun at you and said, how many of you are giving me your undivided attention? Because we can be comfortable at home, you're in your living room, you're hanging out, you've got you know a Bible study on the TV or a device, and you're scrolling through another social media account, or you're doing this. And, and really, Jesus wanted their undivided attention because he was giving them a message that was important for them to receive. And, and we saw, and we'll see, that many of them did not receive it because they weren't really engaging in what Jesus was talking about. So this is the parallel... parabolic section of Matthew, or one parabolic section, where Jesus is going to teach in parables. And we've split these three teachings up into three different parts. The first one was the parable of the soils of the sower. The word of God was sown on four different kinds of soil. And we saw the fourth was the one, the one quarter was the one that produced an abundance of fruit. Now Jesus is going to go into the second part of the parables uh, of still continuing to talk about the sowing of not only God's Word, but people on the earth, and, and even to some, you know, negative degree, um, how the church has responded, or the body of Christ has responded, but there's going to be challenges that come into the church as well. So let's go ahead and and open in a word of prayer and, and we'll see what Jesus has to say to us in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 24. The title of today's message is, Sowing Corruption. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that we can be in your word together, whether it's on the internet or we're gathered together with friends and, or, or family and we get to hear your word. Lord, we want to have ears to hear what your spirit has to say to us. God, we don't want to stop up our ears. We don't want to prohibit your spirit from ministering to us in this time. God, we want to have ears that we can receive the fullness of, of what you have to speak to us. Even what you speak to us in Revelation, that, that you, you spoke to the seven churches in Revelation, and, and you, you instructed them as well to have ears to hear what the Spirit says the church, and we want to receive what you have for us today, God. We have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be grateful for. We thank you for the people that you've taken care of in our fellowship, across our, our city, across our nation, and around the world. We know that Many people are suffering, but we trust you and we know that, that you are going to work things out for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose, God. So bless your word this morning and give us sweet fellowship with yourself in your word. We love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a question for you. Do you have a green thumb? Do you have a green thumb? You know, the green thumb is is not only being able to keep plants alive, but even allowing them to thrive, that they're healthy. And some of us, I don't know about you, but some of us have a difficult time with with keeping plants alive. We've tried over the years to to have different house plants and even patio plants, and it seems like as as time goes by, uh, they all end up meeting their demise it takes a lot of work. In fact, one time we planted a garden in our backyard and, and it was a substantial, it was a legit garden. We had all kinds of fruits and vegetables and and there's something to be said about it's around lunchtime or maybe dinner and, and you walk into your backyard back to this area that we had fenced off and you pick your own lettuce for your salad and you pick a couple tomatoes off the vine and you you grab a cucumber or two to slice up and and that's your fruit. It's something that that you cultivated, that you cared for, and and then you get to partake of. And we don't really think in those kind of terms too much today because we don't have to plant or cultivate or care for for soil, the plants that are that are planted in the soil. And as much as that was a an exciting and fun experience, to be honest with you, it didn't really last that long for us. And I can't remember how long it was, maybe three months, maybe six months, maybe a season. But we came to find out that farming or gardening or tending to these plants that produce fruit, and it took some work. It took some effort. We had to try to keep these things alive and to keep an eye on the weeds and and to take care of the suckers on the tomato plants and 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 it just, after a while, it got to be tedious and tiresome. And the garden ended up not making it. The Bible talks a lot about sowing and reaping. And I would encourage you, you know, if you have some kind of opportunity now that maybe you have a little bit extra time, why don't you plant a few herbs in the windowsill? Or, we, we, we're not typically... Uh, used to planting things in the desert because if we plant it outside, you know how it gets in the summer. I don't have to explain it to you, but it can be a challenging environment to grow things in. But but when you plant things and you have to cultivate and take care of them, you kind of get an idea of this concept, this biblical concept that's very clearly communicated in the scripture about the principle of sowing and reaping. Now this principle of sowing and reaping is one of my favorite biblical principles to talk about because like I've shared with you before I'm very practical I'm I'm a I'm a guy you know so give me instructions tell me what to do and and how it should happen and how I should do it to do it right so that I can follow the instructions or I can do what I think I need to do so it can turn out the way that it's supposed to So when the Bible gives instructions about certain things uh, I really Take it to heart, especially on that practical level. And the and the principle of sowing and reaping, it, it's very practical. One of my favorite verses in the Bible in the New Testament is Galatians chapter six, verse seven through ten. We have it on a slide for you there. You can look at it. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. If he sows to the flesh, he will of the flesh reap corruption. But if he sows to the Spirit, he will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary when doing good, for we shall receive... We shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, this specifically is speaking, and we're going to look at some other uh, verses to the Galatians, but this is speaking to the Galatian church who had started to add on to the simplicity of the gospel. And Paul's saying to them, he's saying, don't be deceived, which is an imperative in the New Testament that we hear over and over again. Don't be tricked. Don't be duped. Don't be deceived. For whatever we we do, whatever we sow into, that's what we're going to reap. If we sow into the Spirit, we'll reap everlasting life, we'll reap life abundantly. If we sow to the flesh, we'll reap corruption. Now that word corruption, we understand, is is a, a picture of what Jesus is going to be painting through these three examples that he gives. And we have the kingdoms of this world, and all of us would agree to some degree or another that every kingdom on the earth is is somewhat corrupt. There's people that get into positions that shouldn't be there and use their authority and power for their own benefit. It's pretty natural. And then Jesus uses this example to say the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God that's coming, there's also going to be people who want to come in and manipulate and use in a corrupt way the things that God intended for good. And these are some things that Jesus instructs us in as, as far as what his kingdom is going to look like, what the kingdom that we're a part of is going to look look like, and some warnings for us. Some people would say that these next three examples that Jesus gives are, are um, supposed to be good examples of how the kingdom is going to grow. We're going to tie it back to seeing how it's actually connected more to people trying to bring corruption into what was supposed to be pure. And the response by Jesus, the response by God of how he's going to deal with that. Starting in chapter 13, verse 24. Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. Here's our point number one, if you're taking notes with me this morning. Here we have an example of covert corruption. Here's a a situation where Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a field. And good seed is sown into the field, into the good soil. The intention was that there was a a crop that was to be anticipated, and that was the intention from the beginning. But while everybody was sleeping, somebody else comes in the enemy, and he sows tares or weeds in with the wheat among what was supposed to be fruitful. Verse 26, But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. But let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but r- gather the wheat into my barn." Now, this is one of the f- uh, first indicators that we see, kind of a warning of the coming kingdom of God while we're here on this earth. That it's it's pretty it's pretty uh, common that whenever God gives something genuine. Whenever God gives something authentic, whenever he gives something real, whenever he gives something fruitful, whenever he gives, gives life, the enemy comes in and tries to counterfeit what God does, but he cannot uh, counterfeit it in the same way that it produces fruit, the fruit of God like, like God does. It tears a weed that sucks life. It doesn't produce fruit God's intention in planting the seeds is so that they do produce fruit. And and we'll see at the interpretation of this when they ask what the meaning is. We'll see what the meaning is of these seeds that are planted. But we have to understand this, that, that while the kingdom is... is is functioning, is operating on the earth, we see the, 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 word, the word world come into play a little, a little bit later, that while the kingdom is on the earth, that there's going to be this covert corruption that comes in, a counterfeit. And if it's true back then when Jesus was talking about it, it's pretty clear that we can look around and we can see it today. There's many people that get up and in the name of God say things that, that the Bible does not say, that it doesn't address, that it doesn't talk about. And there's a, there's a, a ripping off of the, the true gospel and there's a replacing of it, uh, a doctrine or a gospel of works that's connected. When for us, the fruit that God wants us to bear from our lives, John chapter 15, if you abide in him, you will bear much fruit. But apart from him, you can do nothing. As Christians, our desire is to be fruit bearers. It's not to be life suckers. You know, weeds are life suckers. They take the benefit that goes to something that's going to produce fruit, or even if it doesn't produce fruit, even if it's something else, and it takes the life away from that thing that's intended for it to produce something, or if it's the fruit, that produce fruit. This is number one. We have the covert corruption. Number two, verse 31, another parable he put forth to them saying, "...the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches." So then we have this example of this mustard seed that Jesus talks about. And he talks about another place. He says, if somebody has the faith of a mustard seed, okay, but he talks about this this tiny little mustard seed that not only sprouts and grows larger than than the regular herbs that grow up, but, but as big as a tree And this is kind of a supernatural growth, which we can see happen historically with the with the church, with the with the Christian biblical evangelical church throughout history, it really grew huge. But then what happens is we have this little example that Jesus gives us. He says it, it grew so big, so supernaturally, even bigger than, than, than a natural one would, so supernaturally that it became like a tree. And, and you would know what a tree is like, something that can support a, a nest, that the birds of the air would come and make a nest in the tree and, and live in the tree. The interesting thing is the last time that we looked at the parable of the soils, the bird was used as what? The bird was used as a good example? The bird was used as an example of the enemy, that the seed that was sown by the wayside, the bird would come down and sweep it up and take it away. So now we have this picture of the kingdom of God likened to something that started out really small, but then grows to be very big. So big, in fact, that uh, point number two, there's an abiding corruption that happens. And what I mean by abiding corruption is the enemy or the bird builds a nest in the bush, the tree, the, the mustard seed bush and lives there, and stays there. Now, I I know over the years many people who've made it their mission to seek out and to identify false prophets, false teachers, uh, um, and, and birds in the trees, so to speak, I've never really felt compelled to go out of my way to focus on that. And maybe some people have that as, as what they believe is, is a leading from the Lord or a calling to do. And, and that's that's between you and the Lord, okay? I, my focus and, and our calling here at Paradise Calvary Chapel is the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, the feeding of God's sheep. And we'll address the wolves, we'll address the birds and things when they come up, but it's not something that we're actually actively going out to seek. As time went by and the church grew and it became a global what happened, I believe, and, and I'm not sure if I would, if I would emphatically state that this is fact, but what I believe is at, as time goes by and and the church or the kingdom, so to speak, on earth grows to be so big that institutionalized religion creeps in. And what institutionalized religion does is it starts to set up uh, uh, do's and don'ts lists. It starts to set up a checklist of of if you're a Christian, you do this, you don't do that, and check and check and check and check. But we know, according to the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, that it's more of, of the condition or position of our hearts before God than it is about works or doing things to please God. It's more about obedience and submission to him than robotic rules and regulations. We're going to turn to the book of Revelation, but Jesus even addresses this to a couple of the churches in Revelation when he writes the letters to them. He says that he hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Many people believe the Nicolaitans were those who elevated themselves as some kind of hierarchy in the church saying that they were in charge or held authority over the people. We see this from the very early days of the church, this this institutionalized control of the people that Jesus, in his words to the letter says, he hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans. See, because God redeemed you to himself so that you can have a relationship with him. Not so that you can listen to me tell you what God has for you to hear but so that you can engage him in relationship. And, and just as much as I have a relationship with him, you can have a relationship with him. So here we have the, the, the kingdom growing exponentially, the kingdom of God to even a tree where the birds of the air come. And, and we can, to some degree, identify if there's an abiding corruption. We're going to look at the seven. We're not going to look at all seven of the churches in Revelation. But we're going to see how Jesus, he calls some of these people out in the churches. Some of them he commends, and and most of them he also uh, corrects. He says, hey, this is the stuff that you're doing right, but this is the stuff that needs to be addressed as well. And sometimes we can get comfortable with corruption, especially when it seems like it may be benefiting us. You now, I've talked to friends that live in corrupt uh, governments around the world, and it's interesting how people, no matter who you are or where you lived, if the government or the people that you're living with are corrupt, you want to retain the corruption that benefits you, and you want the stuff that doesn't benefit you or hurts you to be taken away when really across the board, if we're talking about corruption, the whole thing needs to be addressed. It's not like I'm, re- I'm, I'm, I'm restoring this this vehicle, this truck, you know, and it's got a little rust on on the front fender. And let me just polish that up and make it look good when the whole frame is rotting out from underneath it. The whole thing needs to be addressed. Number two, an abiding corruption. Number three, another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leaven. So number one, we have this example of, uh, of a, a righteous man sowing seed and then his enemy comes in and sows Tares. And then we have the parable of the mustard seed, this tiny seed that ends up exploding to the point where it's it's even big enough to support the birds in the nests. And then we have the third point of uh, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. And in the Bible, leaven is never referred to as a good thing. Leaven is most uh, uh, usually referred to as, as something that that is... Corrupt, corruption, and, and it is something that a little leaven leavens a whole lump. If you put let a little sin live or abide, it's going to spread into all different kinds of your life and into other people's. But listen to what he says, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leaven. Three measures of meal is a lot in today's um, measurements. It's about 18 pounds of dough. It's about 10 and a half gallons. So when this amount is, is leavened, when it's ready to go, it, it, can, it can add up to uh, feed well over 100 people. So again, we have this picture of the kingdom of God uh, starting small, leavened uh, greatly, and then it, it exploding it's, its huge result. You know, Grace and I like to make pizza. We have this little pizza oven at our house, and we love to make homemade pizza. And she makes the dough, and we and we slice up the different meats. and, and it's it's a lot of fun. It's a long process, but one of the things that that we're pretty uh, stickler about with the dough is that it has to rise for at least 24 hours to really give the dough that that fluffy texture after you cook it in the in our wood fired pizza oven. And one time we made some dough. We were having some friends over, and we made some dough. And we have this—I don't know—two to three gallon container that we kept it in. And and uh, we made a bunch of the dough, and we left it overnight. And we didn't realize that how much we had made. And and uh, we we went and checked on it later, and it had burst the lid off and come all over the side of it into the refrigerator and it was all over the place. So we took it out, cut it in half. We got another container. We put it in the other container and then we checked on it a little bit later on that night too. And that one had burst over and the first one had burst over and it just kept growing and growing. And then we took a third and we divided the other ones and put it in. And then that one kept growing. We had so much dough that we couldn't use all of it to make the pizzas that we were making. Because a little leaven, leaven's a whole lump. And the longer that you let it sit, especially in the right environment, the longer that you let it go unaddressed, the more it grows and the more of an effect it has. Number three, point number three for the leaven is growing corruption. It's something that's left unaddressed, and will continue to grow and grow and grow until ultimately there will be an addressing. And as far as God's kingdom goes, we've already seen clearly um, in the past parable that that people are going to be held accountable. And And whether we're fruit producers or tares weeds, both of those are going to be addressed. We're going to see in the... And the answer to the to the parable here in the last part of this section, all these things Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables and without a parable, he did not speak to them that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. When Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, "He who sows the good seed is the son of man." So here's the interpretation: He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. Now God has sown his children into the world into the world. Now this can also mean in the church as well that's another topic for conversation a different time but but he has sown us into the world and the enemy has come along and he's sown a counterfeit he's sown something that looks like the same thing that god has sown but it's not it's actually the opposite and it does not produce fruit it's a tear the field is the world the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom but the tares are the sons of the wicked one the enemy who sowed them is the devil The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun into the kingdom of their father, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, I've mentioned this before, and I don't want to keep bringing it up every time, but it's really easy to play uh, armchair quarterback in these days that we're living in right now. It's easy to to make judgment calls about what the news is saying, what certain people are saying, what people's opinions are, whether it's happening fast enough, too slow, or whatever. It's easier for us to formulate opinions and even to back up those thoughts and opinions with what we think are our our, our own validated facts. Now, I'm talking about an instance that's happening that we're living through on a day-to-day basis. Now, this should come over also into our faith, into what we believe, and I'm not running out there pointing at every other person, judging whether what they're saying is, 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 is fruitful wheat or tare, because God said that he is going to be the one who's faithful to divide the wheat from the tares in the end time. Yeah, we're called to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. So we can identify some people that may be a tear, but is it really our business to pluck them up? Is it our business to say? Now, we're not so much to be fruit inspectors as we are to look at our own fruit and make judgment calls on on what we're producing. Because for some of us, it's easier to look at somebody else and say, this is what you should be doing. This is what your life should be looking like. This is how your faith should be manifested when maybe we lack some of those things. Maybe it breaks down to one of those three points. There's a covert corruption that creeps in that we didn't even know came in. Maybe there's an abiding corruption, something that, that, that is remaining, that has no business being there, that is not allowing us to be as fruitful as we can be. Maybe it's a growing corruption, something that's not addressed, is going to continue to grow. And this is the problem, I believe, that the church in Galatia had that Paul addresses in his letter to the Galatians. After Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, just as we saw last weekend with, with uh, Resurrection Sunday, he, he gave the disciples the Great Commission, the apostles, and they went out into the world, and everything was hunky-dory and smooth sailing and and rainbows and unicorns, right? And it was a struggle. They still went out in, in faith. They went out in obedience, and there was an abundance of fruit that came from their obedience. But still, things crept into the early church. From the the earliest records that we have, Gnosticism and these other branches that tried to, to take people away from the truth of the only gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is what was happening to the church in Galatia. There was a hijacking of the simple truth, the simple seed that was sown in their lives. Galatians chapter one, verses six through nine says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. This is, this is corruption. It's perverted it's taking something that's pure, that's clean, that produces fruit and it's it's altering it to be fruitless. Who want to pervert the gospel of Christ but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you let him be accursed anathema As we have said before, so now I say again if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. This is the difference between the truth of God's word, the gospel of Jesus Christ by grace you have been saved, through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. Galatians chapter 3, skipping forward a couple chapters, verses 1 through 3 says this, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect in the flesh? This is what the corruption of a false or different gospel does in our lives. It changes the grace of God as something that is that is um his favor that is not earned, that is just his grace and mercy, it turns it into the perverted, the perversion of the false gospel is, is they turn it into something that is works-based. It's something that's required of you. And he's saying, you guys are being foolish. Who's bewitched you? How can you begun, what was begun in the spirit? How can you perfect that in the flesh? You can't. This example also is to one of the churches in Revelation. Let's turn there and look at this. The, the corrupt church is one of the titles that are given to this church in this translation. The corrupt church, Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, to the angel of the church of Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Now, notice there's three things that Jesus addresses to the church of Thyatira that directly corresponds to what we're looking at in Matthew chapter 13. Here's this woman Jezebel. Jezebel is an Old Testament figure that her, her whole purpose was to corrupt the Israelite, the children of Israel, the Israelites. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow, number one, you allow. What does it mean to allow Jezebel in? There is this woman that she came in covertly and and she's corrupting them and they've accepted it. You've allowed this woman to come in covertly and now you've, you've accepted that she's there and you're allowing her to stay. That woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet, number two, she calls herself a prophet, which identifies with something that they believe, and they allow her to remain. They're allowing, number two, they're allowing Jezebel to abide among them. You see where I'm going with this? There's, there's an allowance of the coming in. There's an abiding like the, the, the nest of the bird in, in, the, in the mustard seed tree. And then number three, not only do you, uh, she who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idol. What is she doing? She's teaching and instructing them false doctrine. And what happens when a little leaven comes in? It leavens the whole lump. So this, this false doctrine, this false gospel is starting to grow and it's starting to permeate and and Jesus is instructing this church this is something that needs to be addressed this is corruption that has been allowed to remain i am not uh, as 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 I would say, I don't know how many of you would say, but I would not identify myself as a religious person. I I understand what the definition of religion is, but I I would identify more as a spiritual person, as somebody who has a relationship with God, the God who says that he created me and he created you and he created us in his image. Religion is, is is a system of works that are required. And here comes this woman to commit adultery or to go give themselves over to things that God never intended or wanted them to give themselves over to. The warning for the sowing is don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a person sows, that's what they're going to also reap. If you, if you sow to the flesh, you'll love the flesh, reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you'll love the spirit, reap everlasting life. And this is as much as the last parable of, of the different types of soils in people's heart and then, and then the, the, the healthy soil that produces a crop, as much as that's something that we can identify and work through to have healthy soil and to ask God for in, in the planting of his words in our lives. Also, here's a warning that, that we don't allow corruption to go covertly come in. We identify it. It's, you know, to some degree, it has come into the church as a whole. And many people would say that, well, I don't go to church because it's corrupt. Well, you know, God's not corrupt. God's called us to a higher calling. God's called us to identify when, when corruption does come in so that we can address it. So it comes in covertly, it tries to abide and remain there, and then it and it grows. This is the natural progression of corruption that comes into not only a believer's life, but possibly even the church. Because it always comes in covertly, doesn't it? It's never really smacking you in the face, this is what you should believe or this is what you should do it's covert, and then there's an abiding, there's a living in that place, and then there's a comfortability, and then there's a growth. And before you know it, you look back and say, how did we get over here? What happened? Closing up, let's look at those three points and kind of Consider how it applies to us. Point number one, um, what do you allow? What do I allow into my life to be sown into my life? And um, because what you've allowed is what you receive. And the parentheses that I have there is covert corruption. You can sow into the spirit and reap life, or that covert corruption can not reap fruit of the Spirit. It can reap the actions of the flesh, which you can read earlier in Galatians before the reaping and sowing section in chapter 4, 5. Number two, the woman who calls herself a prophetess, somebody who says something that is truth, that's what a prophet is, somebody who speaks truth. She ends up being a false prophet, but somebody who says what they say is truth, and then there's an accepting of that, there's the the abiding of that corruption, there's the getting comfortable with it. And then the, the third thing with Jezebel, the teach and seduce my servants, is the spreading of the false message, the spreading of the corruption, and that it's growing now, again, I believe that this is, this is necessary for instruction for us. It's, it's a good warning. But next week, I want to give you some good news. Next week, we look at the benefits of the gospel as well. So there's the reality of the different soils that people have and that some people are going to produce fruit. There's the, the reality of that there's going to inevitably be some kind of level of corruption, like in our own personal lives or in the church as a whole, that we we need to be able to identify and address. And then the goodness of the gospel that is going to produce fruits and the things that we're willing or we're naturally doing because we've received that good news. So guys, I want to bless you. I want to bless this week for you, bless you. Um, really looking forward to seeing you. I don't. I, I feel like I'm saying that so much, but we, re, we really are looking forward to, to hanging out with you and seeing you. And I hope that, that with this Forsaking Kingdom series, it, it really brings some things together for us because it is so relevant in everything that we're going through right now. And it is so relevant for us on an individual basis to identify as kingdom citizens And to have that be our identity. My identity is in Jesus Christ. My identity is in my citizenship in heaven. And I take seriously what his instruction is to me, is to us through his word, so that we can be the light. So that when everything's dark and things are chaotic and crazy, that we can be the light. We look differently and we rightfully represent who God is in authenticity, not in counterfeit, but in authenticity, producing fruit from our lives because of our submission to God, because of the sacrifice that his son Jesus made. I love you guys. Thanks for hanging out with me for a little bit this Sunday morning. Let me pray for us and let you have a good week. Father, thank you so much for my brothers and sisters who are tuning in and listening to your word right now. And even though today's message can be a, a somber one, Lord, of, of um, recognizing where we stand and even where, the, where where so many people seem to have gone wrong or, or counterfeit, what, what clearly your gospel has been communicated through your word that it's by grace that we've been saved through faith, not by works lest anyone should boast. And we're so thankful of the grace that we've received through your son, Jesus Christ. Allow your words to be planted into our hearts, into our lives. We want to be about our father's business and we want to be your children, your sons and your daughters, that through submission to you, produce much fruit. Peace, patience, kindness long-suffering, love, all those things that by walking in the Spirit are manifested to, to those around us. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. Have a good week. Let us know if you need anything. Looking forward to seeing you.